This will definitely be in the books again as a torturous experience. <laughs> it took us one hour, 46 yeah. minutes to, to make this I can't believe work. that's how long this has been. <laughs> there are some audio problems. We'll blame what we call Apollo. Thanks, Apollo. I, I will be speaking to their customer service. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, no kidding. Our guest today is Kurt Bonham, a multimedia performer he has been performing for nearly four decades. How is that possible? How so is young. that possible? Uh, he played the legendary crooner Frank Sinatra in an award-winning musical. I love this. A champion juggler. We're going to get into that. Uh, I did not realize, Jason, did you, that he actually has been in a band? We're going to need to dig deep into that. Zero awareness. And creeping out ladies his entire life. Oh, I mean audiences as a serial killer. <laughs> And criminal minds. <laughs> and more recently, uh, something I'm also doing is that he is an audiobook narrator and he's crushing it. Kurt Bonham is up next. Welcome to the Cuz I Have To podcast, where living your dream is the only option. I'm your host, Julie Slater. And I'm Jason Friday. And we've been scouring the earth for people living their dharma so we can share their stories with you. And hopefully we help you find your dharma. Let's do it. Please welcome Kurt Bonham. Hey. Hey, everybody. <laughs> now you're going to talk that's in a my, really that's quiet... That's my studio voice. Hi, hey, folks. <laughs> you are living in Los Angeles, now in Atlanta. Well, first of all, what is your dharma? How are you living your truest passions? I like to just get out exactly, you know, because I can think of one, you know, some things, but you could have a whole other view on it. What, wait, what, what exactly is the question? <laughs> What's my dharma or what do I... Thing, what what does that what is mean yours? to me? Yeah. What what do you believe is your dharma? Are you living it? And because um, you do so many things, what are your truest passions? Well, performing, per performing in general, is been my passion, and uh, that that I mean, I it technically I guess started even before the fifth grade, which was when I did my first play. Even before that, though, um, my father was in a barbershop chorus. And oh, nice. He he also he taught me how to play piano, and then he took me to sing with his chorus, and so I sort of was doing it beforehand. But it was really in the fifth grade. Uh, there was a children's theater group in my town that I grew up in outside Chicago. You could be, I think, from fifth grade through eighth grade is when you could perform in this thing. So for whatever reason, I think my parents might have even been the ones who I give pretty much all the credit for basically everything to my parents. I think they're the ones that said, hey, you might want to do this because you like you you like to perform. You like this. And so I auditioned for Cinderella, not for the role of, but... Um, <laughs> Even though, was, you you, was, although, even though you could have played it. Even though Although technically it. <laughs> at that time, I was mistaken for a girl all the time. I had kind of long hair and yeah, that's a whole nice. other story. I was but, often mistaken as a boy. So ah, see, I understand. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. We would go to restaurants and they'd say, and what would you like, miss? And I would just yep. laugh totally. and be like, I'm a boy, you know. So, um, they're like, that's cute. What do you want, girl? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> whatever you say, little lady. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, no, so I auditioned for Cinderella and I got in the chorus and it's a very distinct memory. Opening night, curtain call going out and the chorus members are always first in this big line and we go and we take our bow and the audience is applauding and cheering and that was it. 
I was like, you were suckered in. Oh, I'm like, this is what I want to do. And literally from that moment on, I have been performing in some way pretty much nonstop my entire life. Um, Right now, aside from if you count audiobooks, which is different, but I have performed in front of a live audience. Like, this is the longest I've gone without doing that since, uh, you know, like the pandemic started. Yeah. Since that time. So, yeah. And then, you know, just performing in general, whether it's been acting, which has been sort of the main through line. I've always been in plays and musicals and been on stage a lot. But then also, like, I was a juggler and performing doing Can that. Can we get into this juggling thing? How do you, how do you just, how did that happen? Well, uh, again, my parents, my father taught me how to juggle three balls when I was young. So I like could always do that. And then in high school, um, I was on the gymnastics team, which frankly, also sort of a form of performance. Um, and there was a few guys on the team who also knew how to juggle. And we started doing that like after practice. And then me and two other guys and then one other guy in particular were really good at it and picked it up really quickly. We had we also had a really great juggling club near our town that had some really well-known jugglers. And so me and these guys would go there and uh, we just got really super into it. I mean, we were practicing like eight hours a day. And then a year later, I won the junior national competition for the International Jugglers Association. My partner came in third. The next year we competed That's in the team. That's fascinating teams. to me. Like, I, we, yeah, I can't we even were... believe these things exist. Yeah, can no can a juggler make a living? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My, my, my juggling partner that I started with then and who we became the, you know, we became a performance team and we did comedy clubs and renaissance fairs and theme parks and parties and all this stuff. That's what he still does. He, he is still a variety performer. Uh, Mark the Knife Fay, if anybody wants to look him up, he's amazing. He does crazy shit, like really crazy shit. His moniker is the world's most dangerous comic. I was his guinea pig for his knife throwing act and whips and like all this stuff. But uh, nice. yeah, so yeah, I, I that was a big thing for me, juggling. Uh, I did that into college. Um, Have you juggled any time recently? As a matter of fact, uh, yes, just the other day, yeah. I imagine I, it's pretty calming, almost like playing the piano, because you're like your mind has to be so concentrated. Yeah, I, 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 I have thought at times I should teach like a course in like juggling, a meditation through juggling. You know, because yeah. it really is. Oh, it's yeah. rhythmic. It's concentration. Sure. You kind of have to zen out. You know, doing it um, takes a lot of focus. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Have you ever had to juggle for a role? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's been a thing that is gotten me roles um so wild yeah <laughs> juggling as well as other things i also eat fire and do, do you do the swords down your uh i don't do sword swallowing <laughs> okay. no um I, I have way too many sinus issues for that uh yeah and, like, i hear uh, that post nasal uh. drip uh yeah that doesn't <laughs> doesn't work for me same with the geek trick i don't know if you know about the you know putting a nail like into your well everybody's done it now with covid testing You've now had to stick a freaking long thing into your nasal cavity. And people don't realize, everybody thinks of your nasal cavities as like going up. They don't. It goes straight back. Goes back, And so uh, you may have seen performers do that trick where they put a nail 
in their nose and then like my my old partner used to do that the geek trick and you like hammer it in and yeah so yeah That's a lot wild. of weird a lot of weird shit <laughs> so of in the in the last couple of years you got into audiobook narration and mm-hmm. how did that even come about well, and you're very successful at it and i just want to say bravo uh, you've really gone thank deep you, thank you i'm i'm, I'm very happy impressed. it's it's going well it's going well it's it's really on that whole performance and like living your dharma it's it's the first time I've truly consistently made my living as a performer is with audiobooks and it's it's just been a ama- it's fantastic I'm so glad I I got pushed into it by my parents um I go back to them what happened so was funny. is um yeah. I was doing a show I was playing Sherlock Holmes in a production of Hound of the Baskervilles in a small theater in L.A. and the guy that played my Holmes um. After the show finished, you know, we were friends on Facebook and I, I kept seeing him post about his audiobook work and like, oh, I got just got my 16th book of the year and Bob, I'm like, huh, I love audiobooks. Uh, my mom got me into them when I was young. She always had the books on tape and we'd listen to them in the car and all that kind of stuff. And she's always been a fan. And I was like, oh, I should I should maybe talk to him about that. And I mentioned that to my parents. And they just jumped on me. They were like, yeah, yes, you should do that. You do all these voices. You're great with accents. You'd be great at that. And and they're also big audiobook fans. And I was like, okay, I'll, yeah, I will. And then, of course, I didn't. I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I had posted, I had commented on one of his Facebook posts and said, like, oh, I'd love to talk to you. And he said, yeah, anytime. Like, sure, we can sit down and talk about it. And then I didn't. Like a year goes by. And I saw him posting again. And I mentioned it to my folks again. And they were like, you haven't talked to him yet? You have to talk. there." And then really what did it is they said, okay, if we will help pay for like your initial setup, if you like need to buy equipment or like something, like we will help you. We, we think you should do this. Like you have, and part of it was, I mean, they've always been super supportive of my acting. I mean, they've never discouraged me from being a performer. Which is really lovely. It's very unusual. It's beautiful. It, yeah, it is very unusual. Yeah, especially with you know, like my dad's a businessman, and you know, even though he was a performer, he played piano and he was a singer and all this stuff. But he's a very sort of straightforward business type guy. Um, but yeah, they they really supported me. You know, came to all my shows and never really discouraged me from pursuing it. You know, there's occasionally the bit of like. Well, maybe you need to get a real job now and then, which I have done, of course. Um, but this, I think, part of it was they thought, one, I'd be good at it. Two, they're like, oh, you have friends making money doing this. Uh, maybe this Makes is sense. like a, a thing you can yeah. do like, and like, <laughs> actually make a living. And you love um, sitting in a box by yourself. Well, I, I, it's funny because um, I'm a very social person, but I also... And also a very solitary person. And I'm a big computer guy. I, I have been for a, since the seventh grade. I got an Apple IIe and I got really into programming and I just lived on that computer. So I've, I've been into that for a long time, which is very solitary. So I'm very self-contained that way. So this was not a big change for me. And yeah, I also strangely like, I'm not, I'm the opposite of claustrophobic. I, I like nice. small spaces. Yeah. Um, so this all suit me very well. And as far as, you know, being an actor, you know, I get to play all the parts in audiobooks. So what actor doesn't want to do that? Um, but yeah, so they 
they bugged me, bugged me. And when they told me that, I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to do it. So I went and I researched it a bunch and learned a whole bunch of stuff. And then I went and talked to my friend as well. And that's sort of how it got started, um, which uh, was through this site, ACX, uh, which is the audiobook creation exchange that um, Amazon owns. And it's the portal through which independent authors get hooked up with narrators to get their books on Audible. And it's a free thing that anyone can do. And you just put up a profile and put up samples and, uh, you know, audition for books. And so I put up a sample and the next day got contacted by a company to be on their narration roster. And within like two weeks, I had my first book and wow. I've been doing them pretty much nonstop ever since. So that was how that all got started. And that's pretty um, crazy. Yeah. It was it really came it so easy really, to you. It was really crazy. I mean, it it fit kind of everything I'm into because it has the acting. You know, it's all about the acting, so that's great. And like I said, you get to play all the parts, which is a blast. And I love doing voices and accents and all that kind of stuff, as well as the tech side of it. There's a big tech side of it. You know, learning how to use your your DAW, your digital audio workstation, yeah. and all the, the recording yourself and microphones. And I'm, I'm a big gearhead, and I've always been into that kind of stuff. So it really suited sort of all of the aspects of, of myself that, that I'd been doing. And, uh, and I immediately fell in love with it. I just absolutely loved it, especially when you start making money. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I get paid for this? You can make a living at this. Okay, <laughs> that's really cool. Um, so, yeah, and it, um, it sort of sated my need to always be on stage, too. I, you know, if I'm not, if I haven't done something in a few months, I've like get antsy and I, you know, I really need to be performing. And yeah, once I started doing this, I stopped having that, like, oh, I have to get out and audition for a show. I'm like, I'm performing and yeah, it, you know, it's just been, it's been great. And, and the community is wonderful. And, um, yeah, I just kind of like pretty much everything about it. I want to play a couple That's of samples. Awesome. I'll probably play like... 20, well, 30 seconds. Well, you should play. Are you going to play the that uh, first uh, one? I the put sirens. Up, uh, yes, on. And yeah, this yeah. was this came about because uh, you might have seen it. Did you see Sirens of Titan at Sacred no. Fools? No. Oh, so, I don't think so. Yeah, Jamie was my wife. Jamie uh, was the female lead in that show, and I was an understudy for the male lead. And, oh, I think I did see it. Yeah, and and I did get to go up and play that role and. And so when I got into the audiobooks, I was trying to, you know, deciding to pick a sample. And I thought, oh, well, I like Kurt Vonnegut and I know this story and the characters. So I picked a little section from Sirens of Titan for that. And uh, yeah, that's my first one. The man who had been Malachi Constant, who had been Unk, who had been the Space Wanderer, the man who was Malachi Constant again, that man felt very little upon being declared Malachi Constant again. He might possibly have felt some interesting things had Rumford's timing been different, but Rumford told him what his ordeal was to be only seconds after telling him he was Malachi Constant. Uh, how do you feel about that list? Because that was like in the beginning of your career in audiobooks. How do you feel about listening back? You know, sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Well, that's been an interesting thing because that sample I still use, although I have re-recorded it. Um, 
you know, with better gear and, and, and stuff. And, but I was very happy with it and I'm, I'm still happy with that original one. And, uh, even the first book I got, I was very happy with that narration. And a lot of people are like, oh God, I can't listen back to my old stuff. I was so bad. I, you're I like, th- I was always good. <laughs> well, I think there's a thing and I relate it to golf or any kind of sport is, you know, I've been an actor my whole life. So even I, I did, you know, I studied up on audiobook, but I hadn't taken any coaching or anything specifically for audiobooks yet. And I just did what I do. I just, I wasn't thinking about, oh, the right way to do something. I just performed. And that was a very natural thing. And I was very happy with the performance. And then I started coaching and learning about, oh, you know, the specific techniques and how you're supposed to do audiobooks and stuff. And then I got messed up. And I look mm. at it like golf. If anybody's a golfer out there, you know, like if you, as soon as you start coaching and you start tweaking your swing and you're thinking about, okay, I got to keep my head down and okay, my arms here and don't break my wrists here. And then you start screwing up and then your ball's going everywhere. And it takes a while to integrate all that stuff and then forget about it. And that's sort of what happened for me with the audiobooks. It's like, I feel like I started off like great. And then I started learning and I, I, I was like uncomfortable for a while and sort of had to get back to just being, you know, just performing and just sort of more naturally expressing myself, knowing techniques, you know, knowing the various techniques that you can use on a mic as opposed to being on stage or other things. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I don't mind, I don't really mind my early mm-hmm. stuff except for the ones that came right after that when I was getting all wonky <laughs> and I'm like ah, okay relax um in 2020 you were nominated for an independent audiobook award and then you won the audiobook reviewer sci-fi award we have a clip from that book right no oh I thought Ex- we did no I probably which no, one no you have a book from from the oh. independent audiobook award nomination oh, okay so oh, I'll nominated just... oh yeah yeah the one from the okay which I lost in... to a golden voice who, which is a, a a thing that Audible gives to a very few people who have been in the business and are huge narrators. And as soon as I heard the book that I was nominated against with that guy, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to Is that, is the, so the one that was nominated for Independent Audiobook Award, that's Beyond Good and Evil? Yes. All right, let's play this one. Hold on. He blinked a few times, confused. Where the hell was he again? He knew that he should know this that it was important, but he squinted, gave it a hard think. He gazed through the windshield, eyes going wide as he took in the neat rows of palm trees staring back. Then it hit. He'd parked in the lot of some apartment complex, out of the way, a good spot to switch off his brain for a little bit. I really like how intimate that one sounds. Like it really... How, like, how do you feel about the the difference with just that kind of the style of this book, I guess? Well, that book in particular was, it, so with audiobooks, there's the the um, POV, whether it's first written in first person or third person. And that book was called, uh, what's called Third Person Limited, which is, it's narrated in third person. So it's not the the, the character themselves speaking. But it's a very focused third-person perspective that really comes from their head. 
which is a, a different style. And um, I had not long before that listened to um, the Stephen King book, uh, The Outsider, narrated by Will Patton. And he uses this technique where each chapter is told sort of from the different character perspective and you sort of imbue the narration with that. And so that was a, that was a chapter from the serial killer. And then there's another chapter would be from the detective hunting him or a victim or, you know, like, and so you, you, you tweak the narration to fit that perspective. And that's sort of my, that's my favorite. It's really fun. Yeah, that does sound pretty neat. I love yeah, it. that seriously. And I mean, hearing that clip though, even though I was like, "Oh yeah, you, why didn't you win?" But you're like, "Oh yeah, the golden, uh, the golden." Sometimes you you're up <laughs> against like, okay, Meryl Streep, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, but uh, the fact that you were even nominated in a category against a guy like that with his status or whatever you want to say, that's pretty rad. I mean, you were up against you. It was really cool that you were up against these. Um, veteran narrators, yeah, right? It, it it was very it was very very cool, and uh, you know it it didn't surprise me one bit after having listened to the book that this guy that one did. It he's he's one of my f- absolute favorite narrators, and uh, and what's his name? I don't think you've said it. His name is Luke Daniels. Oh, cool. I I hope to one day be be, be in his league. You know, <laughs> nice. I mean, I guess I guess technically I am in his league if I was nominated yeah, with him. Exactly. But, uh, you're you in know. the same league, yeah. You just yeah. didn't win that league, and that's yeah, and okay. I would imagine it's very similar to any kind of award thing. Sometimes people win for past, you know, it could be their legacy. It could be for past losses, like, oh, that guy should have won, so next year he wins. You know, I would think it's yeah. the same, right? Like like Jeremy Irons should have won for Dead Ringers, but instead he won the next year for uh, whatever that other movie was. <laughs> okay i want to play this clip that has a lot of character voices in it barrow king report zeg wick said to the imp growing irritated the chthonic creature always soured his mood as if he exuded some kind of invisible but malevolent aura no things about save for this rat zeg said off-handed as he smashed the squealing rat against the wall with a bone-crunching thud. Rat is mine. No share. My God, you're so good at this. <laughs> I know, that's so rad. Holy shit. That's pretty amazing. Do you have a favorite um, accent or character you like to do? Well, you know, I think most narrators have a lot of sort of, uh, you know, stock voices for themselves that they'll go to for certain for certain things. And then there's different genres that allow you a lot more freedom in those areas. Um, you know, fantasy and sci-fi certainly generally let you go a lot farther with your kind of voices and stuff. But like I just finished doing a book, very serious book about a um, uh, based on a true story of a guy who um, who was from Germany in the 1930s who immigrated to America before World War II and became a radio operator, just a hobbyist, and then got recruited by Germans in America, spies, to send radio messages back to the fatherland, though he did not want to do that. Anyway, so there was a lot of German in that. I I love the German accent, Russian accents, 
Irish. Do you walk around the British. house doing accents all the time with your actress wife, J.B. Andrews? <clears throat> Not to friend? her. She would she would smack me in the face if I did that. <laughs> I do I do that alone on my own time. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, but that it's one of my favorite things. I mean, I've always been really, I've always just really loved studying accents and 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 that kind of stuff. And I sort of absorbed them. I remember just as a kid, uh, I think I might have been like 12 and I went to a tennis camp in Indiana and my roommate was from Kentucky. And by the time I got home, I just, I sounded just like him. I couldn't help it. And anywhere I go, if I'm surrounded by people with an accent, I have a really hard time not taking it on. Yeah. And and that's the best way to learn them too. Like when I was in Russia, um, which is another fun fact. I did the first Russian production of Hair, the musical. Wow. In Moscow wow. in 1999. And uh, that was a that was an adventure. But it was really hard not to, like, speak with a Russian accent around them, which would probably not be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you don't want to offend people. Like, yeah. But it's just hard not to. Um but yeah, the, doing all the accents is really fun. And it's something that I, that's sort of an area I try and market myself to with audiobooks. Well, that's the one yeah, thing nice. for myself. Uh, I'm learning, of course, doing all kinds of accents is amazing. But um, I find, you know, I'm getting into, I'm not a big um, character actor, but there are some books where the where the different characters are just slight adjustments in vocal abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's there's sort of two different um schools of audiobook narration when it comes to voices and there's there's guys like Scott Brick who is one of the big heavyweights in the industry who's done like a thousand books and and all that and he does not do a whole lot of vocal changes. He doesn't do big accents, he doesn't really it's just very minor changes. And then there's other guys like Joel Frumkin or um Tim Dale Jim Dale, Jim Dale, who did the Harry Potter books, where oh, the, yeah. every oh, voice, you, you'd be like, there's an entire cast of people performing this. That's sort of, I sort of can't help it. I've tried to not do voices, and I just, <laughs> I can't do it. it. I just, like, I can't do it. If it's a new character, I'm like, I, I have to be different. Like, I have to sound different. How um, many characters have you done in one book? I feel like you've done, like, 50 or 100, something crazy. Um... There was one that I did um, about a year ago that I think I tracked somewhere between 70 and 80 different characters. What? And How do you a, do that? How do you and do it was that? Do, and it was like a dozen accents, too. It was like Russian <laughs> oh and German God. and, and um, you know, American Indian or Inuit, rather, and not, and um, just Holy like this whole sl- British and Japanese. And, and, yeah, it was like just this whole slew of different accents and all these characters. And it's tough. I mean, there was one scene in that book where it was literally this council where it had like, 12 different characters introducing themselves and then having a debate. And I'm like, oh, my oh gosh. geez, it, it was brutal. It was brutal. Oh you know, and God. you have to track them. I have a whole system where I, you know, when I first do a character voice, I'll take a snippet of that and it gets put in a spot wow. and then I can refer back to it. And I have to do that a lot. Like throughout a book, I'll just, you know, have to refer back to these, these voices to, to get them. Um, 
It's uh, that is definitely one of the difficult parts of doing audiobooks. I, I literally am picturing <laughs> seventy to eighty tracks on the yeah, DAW. That's just what it is. Like, sl- do you have to be a little insane down. to do this? I'll for be a right. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I posted too. a thing on Facebook where I took like a little ten seconds and just and I had the whole DAW running. So you all you just heard this mass of voices talking. Oh like, my gosh. That was uh yeah. Doing oh my gosh, doing you... a record like with my band, we, we, we do depending on how many like sample tracks we're using or whatever, backing tracks and whatnot, we could have anywhere from like thirty five to forty total with drums and mics and everything. Yeah. But eighty is like I mean it's not eighty <laughs> tracks recording. It's just no. eighty tracks of different character voices. But, but that's yeah. insane though. I mean, that is that's like so unique and special to even just like think with that. Yeah. Can we play that, that clip? Can we play that clip of all the voices sure. together? Do you still have it? I do still have it, yeah. That is so crazy that all those voices are you. Uh, yeah. I, I, how many layers was that? Eighty? Jeez. <laughs> That's very cool. So, dear listener, you too can become an audiobook narrator and do a thousand voices all on one track at some point. I do. Is talking about uh, training and all that stuff. I did want to point out, Kurt, that you're very generous with information in this field. Like Kurt actually gave me so much information. I wasn't sure I was wanted to get into narration, and then I had a weird situation where. He kind of told me how to get started, and I did some auditions. And then I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, some author was like, hey, we want to book you. And I was like, Kurt, please help me. Please. (laughs) I just want to say you're you're very, very generous. Uh, Do you feel like most of the people in this industry are? I know acting in general can be very competitive. Yeah, well, it's one of the things I love about voiceover in general. and the audiobook world as well. It's it's all very much tied together in that way. Excuse me for one second. <clears throat> that's one of the things that sucks is I have these sinus issues and uh, And you're smoking g- gunk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> smoke it, drink it. My thank, sinuses yeah. guys. <laughs> thank thank goodness I can stop and re record yeah. anything at any time. Um Yeah, right, right. But yeah, no, and that's actually I feel like one of the reasons I do that stuff, and I, I've been doing that a lot, especially over this last year with COVID. I've had a lot of my actor friends reach out, you know, wanting to pick my brain about getting into audiobooks, just like I did with my friend. And it's something, if Paint you, po- yeah, and also if you post about this kind of stuff, you will get people asking. There's something oh, yeah. about it like, oh, that's interesting, and then people are interested, and especially if it's something they think they might be able to do, they're like, hey, and you know, I think eventually, I well, I am going to be actually teaching a class um, coming up in a couple of months here. Um, oh, cool! Which is yeah, nice, terrifying uh, and exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, so many people in this industry are just incredibly generous with their time and knowledge, and it's super supportive in a very different way than like the on-camera world is. You know, the on-camera world, theater is a little closer. The theater world is a little bit closer to that. It's much more friendly and, and mm-hmm. not the same kind of competitive. But on camera, you know, it's it's sort of cutthroat. Whereas in, in voiceover, there's this real feeling of we're not competing. There's enough work for everyone. 
and everyone has their thing they do. And I think there's also a, a very a big difference in ego when it comes to people behind the mic. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not the same kind of celebrity. And so, you know, I've had conversations or had like people just IM me because they saw me post a question on Facebook who you would consider like, you know, like a Robert De Niro in the audiobook world or in the voiceover world. And yeah. and they're just like, yeah, here, I'll 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 help you out. I'll 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 impart my knowledge to you. It's really kind of incredible. Um and that made me feel like I wanted to do that as well. Um and I just it's really honestly to me one of my absolute favorite things is getting other people work. <laughs> Um, which happens all the time in voiceover and in audiobook narration. Like I, you know, other narrators have recommended me and got me either work or onto publisher rosters. I've done the same for other people. Uh-oh. You know, it just feels good to 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 help people out, and um, I mean, it does. I, f- I feel like it 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 comes back. So yeah. on the flip side of this, does it drive you crazy when you're at the dentist and the dentist is like, audiobook narration? I could do that. Hey, how do I do that? Does that drive you crazy? Because I have I, that. I get that all the time. Oh, from really? People who just they're like, and I I don't want to say you know no you can't do that. Of course you want to encourage everybody, but it's the it's the idea that that oh, seems real easy. What do you do? Just read a book? Well, yeah. There's definitely yeah. that that there's a lot of that out there with audiobooks. People do have this feeling of like oh you just you're just reading a book right. Which, frankly, in the early days of audiobooks, that is a little bit what it was. It was much more a straight read. Now, that's not it, it at all. People expect a performance. You know, you need trained performers. And not to say, I, don't, I know plenty of really well-respected uh, and successful audiobook narrators who were not performers at all. That is not how they started in life. They were doing whatever other job. And they liked audiobooks, and but they did the work, and mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. It's like they did the work to to get to get to that place to to learn the craft. And pretty much yeah. any any audiobook narrator worth their salt, if you ask them, like, if a non actor asked them, "Hey, I'd like to do this," they would say, "Take acting classes." That's the first thing. It. In any voiceover, actually, I mean, a yeah. commercial voiceover, it's acting. That's it. All yeah. comes down to acting. And if you, if you can't believably portray what you're trying to, you know, produce, then it's not gonna come across right. So, sure, anybody could do it, um, but you gotta put the work in. Well, and it doesn't mean your product's gonna be good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, not yeah. just on the acting, but also. Technically, since a lot of us self-produce everything, we we literally produce it. Um, but a lot of audiobook narrators will farm farm the production side out. Um, yeah, I don't so, just yeah. because that's something I'm really into. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of us, yeah, we you know we do the full production. So it takes there's there's a lot of different skills involved to to do it well, um, and it's. It is something anybody could do if if you put in the work and spend the time and 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 really do it. You know, sure, you you can do it, but it it's it's not easy. 
you know, um, I think a lot of people do look at it as like, oh, this is an easy way to make money. And there's actually, there's plenty of people out there pitching voiceover and audiobook narration as the like easy way to make money. And you see these ads for like, you know, get a USB mic and start making Mark. It's like, no, that, that's really not the way it works. You know, <laughs> it, sh- yeah. You know, it can be done, but no, it, it's like any other business. You got to put in the time and work and money. It does. It does cost some money. And to, it's, a, to, it's a true skill. It's yeah, a, it's a skill, and just like any business, you have to invest. You know, you have to invest in it to 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 make money. You know. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, maybe I'm only talking to certain kinds of people. I get. I remember I went to physical therapy, and the guy um, helping me said, "Oh, I want to do voiceover. Hey, yeah, can you help me?" And I said, right. all right, well, do you have any kind of setup at home for a mic? Oh, I don't have any money. Well, I mean, you have to invest a little. No, no, no. Yeah. No. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, it I don't just... have money. I just want to do it. <laughs> I'm like, well, you got to at least get a mic, right? Oh, no. <laughs> That's like, yo, well, let me play guitar in your band. Well, okay, now, what do you have? if you really want to be, if you want to be totally honest about it, granted, this has also changed, but especially pre-pandemic. It's changed even more with that. But even pre-pandemic, a lot of folks doing voiceover like in Los Angeles, in the big markets, Los Angeles and New York, didn't have to have home setups. Mm -hmm. They could record their auditions on their phone. Yeah. And then if they book, they go into a studio and record. Right. Um, That has changed a lot over the past like 10 years, but especially recently and particularly through COVID. Um, Yeah. With it's the good technology. and bad because, mm-hmm. you know, you and I both have a home studio, so we had an advantage. But now I feel like everyone has a home studio. They all freaked well, out a year ago. Yeah. And I'm, I, yeah. you know, I've talked to people who, well, in fact, I just was talking to my on-camera agent who reps somebody who, I, I, I won't say who or what, but is very, has a very, very well-known animated character. Really well known, like big time, no home studio. And she wanted me, she asked me like, would, would you like consult with him? <laughs> like, to, like, cause, cause he's literally recording. He's been recording big animated projects on his phone. And it's sort oh of like, yeah, we, I gotta get him out of that because, you know, he should yeah. be doing a lot more and he has no home studio, but he's a huge name. Like, you know. What's crazy to me, and and I don't, like, I was listening to an interview with Michelle Pfeiffer during COVID on NPR, and it sounded like she was in her bathroom with a bad headset. And I'm oh, like, yeah. no one can f- set her up? I, it's I've a been couple th- hundred dollars at I've most. I've literally <laughs> been thinking the same thing in so many I'm instances like, with big with big celebrities. I'm like, yeah. nobody could... It's not even that. It's not even a couple hundred dollars. Even a good no. Even a good headset into your phone. Well, I just heard a. I just um, people like that. Well, I just heard a dude who's a voiceover guy, but a a workshop last night online, and he was just using his his um, Apple um, earpod, you know, but the plugged in kind, um, not Bluetooth, and it sounded great. It sounded great. and it blows me away that some like someone like can't... can't tell Michelle Pfeiffer don't sit no. in the bathroom or sit in a room that has carpeting. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, I mean, not, it's this is not funny. against Michelle Pfeiffer. She has people. 
people who right. are helping yeah. her. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Well, even some of the Zoom rooms. Like, really? That's the only background? Like, that's the only room <laughs> background you have? Come on. That's amazing. Like, uh, Why? Not everybody. For oh, God's you guys sakes. could see... He's got his logo and all that on this. It's a printed um, backdrop, and it looks fantastic behind Kurt. <laughs> it looks really nice. Oh That's so crazy. It was. I did that for a couple of reasons. One, my 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 acoustic panels are this very drab, um, you know, um, burlap. Color. Yeah, burlap. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I eventually was like, I need some like color something in here. And then I, you know, got an ad for this company that does these printed blankets. And, of course, they all throw you all these amazing deals. So I got it for super cheap. And plus, then it becomes like I'm doing so much Zoom stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, it's it's a nice background and it's a little marketing. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. Might as well cool. make things look a little nicer. So you were also in a band. Why do I? I don't even know that. What band was I know. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know that either. And I'm in bands, and you've seen my band yeah. at a terrible venue, unfortunately. But you did. <laughs> I did, yes. It was lovely. I, lo- I had a great time. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I've been a musician my whole life. Um, what do you play? A little bit of everything. You know, everything? I oh. my dad taught me how to play play piano his mother taught him how to play she his his mother my grandmother was an amazing piano player songwriter she she entered every contest she literally has books that are all of her contests that she would enter she won jingle contests all the time and all this stuff um holy wow yeah and it was her her baby grand piano that ended up at our house and that's what i learned on and i learned how to play basically by ear and um and then, you know, I took lessons a little bit growing up. I really should have done that a lot more. Um, <clears throat> and then I was also a singer. And then when I left for college, I didn't have my piano anymore, which was my musical outlet, you know, which is something that every musician understands. Like, it's the thing you just go to to, like, just kind of relax. And, and I didn't have that. So that's when I picked up guitar. And then guitar became my main instrument, although... I'm I'm a hack, you know. I'm a rhythm guitar player. I'm not like any kind of big solo player or anything. I'm a hack. Yeah, to- oh, absolutely. I'm a total hack. But I <laughs> but then I started writing songs, um which I never did on piano. It just was for some reason it was way easier. And so I started writing songs and then I did uh I did a uh, Little Shop of Horrors playing the dentist oh. and see how theater always comes back it's, 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 yeah. I've done yeah, it forever exactly. so it's like always through theater <laughs> my Seymour was a bass player and a singer and we were like oh maybe we should like um, try playing together and it just clicked like it, it was one of those like magical things where we just we just fed off each other and the way we were able to write together and our being able to sing together and it just really worked. And so we're like, maybe we should start a band. So we wrangled several of our other friends and started up a band. And like, literally, I think the first week we had rehearsals, I got a call from another friend who was having a birthday the net, like a month in a month. And she was having her birthday at club Lago. I was like, do you want to play? (laughs) We're like, Okay. So our first gig was at Club Lago. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, you know, and we, we made a demo and started playing out a bit. And 
it was, I mean, it was amazing. At that particular time, I also, most of my friends were musicians and were in the music scene in LA. So I was going to see live music like four or five times a week at um, Genghis Cohen was huge. Like uh, all my friends were playing there all the time and club lingerie and all places on the strip and all this. Yeah. And uh, so we started getting bookings and we played out some. And then sadly, my co-writer decided he was moving to Nashville. And uh, that was it. <laughs> like, so it didn't, it was uh, short lived, but it was honestly one of my favorite things I've ever done. I mean, there really was nothing like, you know, man, you know, Jason, <laughs> like yeah. there was nothing like playing, playing live. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was really great. But after that, like, I kind of lost the, fire for doing that because it had so much to do with that chemistry and sure and then it was like oh do i want to put together an i i don't want to say some things but i i didn't particularly have the band i wanted if i was to really keep going and then i was like you know if i do my own thing then i kind of need to like hire people maybe or i just you know it just yeah. didn't, you know, my focus went away from that, but I freaking loved it. It was great. It really is amazing. It's kind of funny, too. Like, we, and I was going to mention this earlier, we've followed a similar path. When I was a kid, probably around the same time you start, when I was like eight, nine years old, I started acting, doing plays. I did gymnastics with <laughs> Charles Lakes, who was like <laughs> the 1984 Olympian or wow. whatever. Uh you know, and then it just kept evolving into finally I was like, oh, music, this is cool. Even though I grew up with it, my dad's a musician, but I never really followed it until later. And then I was like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so when you're yeah. like that feeling, you perform and blah. Yeah, yeah. dude, there's nothing yeah. like it, man. And singing in particular for me, singing sure. harmony. And yes. I've been doing it, bar, you know, bar, I grew up with barbershop which yeah. is just magical. And then, you know, yeah. I was in every That's choir. That's the ultimate harmony. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, doing madrigals <laughs> and show choir and, you yeah. know, all that stuff. And that to me, like, singing harmony is just, like, the most joyful, wonderful thing. And for a, the few years before I left for L.A., I was doing Christmas caroling, you know, making oh, money nice. over the holidays doing that, which was, you know, it's just so, it, it just feels good. It just feels good. Absolutely, man. Yeah. yeah, I miss that. I haven't I done any singing in a, in quite a while, or playing it's, music. Uh, yeah. I just pulled out my keyboard because we had to, all this garbage going on in our basement, and we're just putting it back together. And I just put my keyboard back in place, and I'm like, "Huh, let me turn this on." Oh, hey, old friend. Yeah, I really should. And every time that happens, I'm like, I really should do this like once a day for at least like 15 minutes. You know? I know. Yeah. I know. No, we the, Julie and I talk about that all the time. Take ten to twenty minutes to just sit down, yeah. do some Play musical well. anything, yeah. and then get back to working yeah. your ass off yeah. or whatever. It's a stress reliever. <laughs> get back it really in the box. is, yeah, and that's what it right. is. I'm always getting back in the box. It's uh, yeah, which I'll be doing right after this. I, well, I'll be staying here and <laughs> continuing on. Can you record after drinking? I feel like if I have one sip of drink, I can't record much. Oh, yeah, sure. You've perfected it? You've perfected it? I mean, I, I, I don't do that very often, um, but I certainly have. And I, there have been times when I've found it's helped. There's, you know, sometimes oh. when you have just that little teeny buzz and you sure. it sh you shed 
that inhibition, you shed those those voices telling you like, oh, like, and you just relax and let it flow. So sometimes it can help, you know, it's not, and a little whiskey can get that gunk off my cords, uh, you know. Uh, Clear, clears out the old pipes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I get that because, I mean, performing anything, whether it's audiobook or on stage, if you just have a little something, even though you're not nervous or whatever, it just like chills everything out golf you know too. even if it's one percent less i know right, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> whatever a couple of them. The, the only problem totally. with that with drinking is that it can make you tired that's the only yeah. like if it didn't make you tired it'd be perfect eh, just sure. relaxes you that little bit and then the next thing you know you're like oh i'm gonna go to bed yeah exactly yeah. Okay, guys, I see that Kurt's been drinking the entire time, but it's time to play our little program. It's five o'clock somewhere. Are you Yay. ready to play? It's five quick questions. Uh-oh. He just He's taking a <laughs> sip of his drink. We'll yeah. wait. You Don't might worry, need Kurt. to take two sips for this. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we're not drinking during this. <laughs> I know. My mouth is dry. <laughs> I know. I'm what sad. What is happening? Something's wrong. All right. Question number one. What's something you know you do differently than most people? Uh, I blow my nose with one hand. <laughs> most While people do with, with the other. Mo- most people do it with two hands, right? Yeah. I mean, they do, but that reminds me of like old timer, old school dudes that would just be like, "That's what like I do." A handkerchief. No handkerchiefs. No, I can't do handkerchiefs. But... <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. All right. Uh, question number two: Your favorite happy hour beverage and why? Ah, favorite favorite happy hour but now see that's the thing is not all happy hours I mean that's a happy hour but it could be anything any yeah. you know adult beverage I'll have to go with an old fashioned yes yeah that's, that's sort of the, sort of the classic why and, uh, why is it your favorite um well I like bourbon um I like cherry so I like it when yes. it's I particularly like not they don't always make them with with cherry but I like it when it's mixed with some cherry um it has the to me it's the right blend of alcohol and a little sweetness. So, yeah. yeah. Like Amen to that. Question number three. If you had to lose one of your senses, which would it be? Wow. Lose one of my senses. Oh, boy. That is a, that is a <laughs> tough one. I think I'd have to say touch. Hmm. I think I'd have to say touch because sight's pretty important and I use my ears for a living um and i love to cook <laughs> smell taste smell yeah, taste exactly. that's so no more yeah. cuddling no more cuddling that i mean uh, yeah but oh, i'm gonna go with right. that yeah okay <laughs> question number four one thing you prefer about atlanta over la and vice versa um there's a much more sort of relaxed vibe in Atlanta than LA um, you probably don't have as many criminals as in LA I mean I know you guys had a really horrific mass shooting but I, I guess I'm just asking in general compared to Los Angeles which seems pretty bad we hear a lot of, uh, I would say we hear as many gunshots where we live here mm. as we did in Los That's Angeles comforting uh, yeah nice. um, 
And unfortunately, right now, crime is actually pretty bad in Atlanta. There's been a, an upsurge in that. But just overall, I mean, I honestly, I never thought I would live in the South. I wrote the South off my whole life. I'm like, what the South? <laughs> it, but it's it's actually quite lovely. Uh, there's, there's just a very, you know, there is truth to that, like, Southern hospitality. People are generally really kind. And yeah, it's just a more laid-back sort of vibe. Even though Hollywood has come here, it's uh, yeah, even right. that is different here because it's sort of more exciting here than, you know, everybody's over it in L.A. Um, yeah. As far as L.A., though, um, I would say it has to, there's just, you can do, there's everything there. You know, I, I would say, like, I could literally, like, go surfing at 6 a.m., go play nine holes right after that, and then go drive up to the mountains and go snowboarding in the same day. You know, you just kind of have everything going on there. Um, yeah, and I I really miss my theater scene in Los Angeles. Mm, yeah, there's, I mean there's a great theater scene here too, but uh, you know it's just I spent so many years there, and it's a really great community. So I miss yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I should know the name by now. What is it called again? What is what? The theater, the one that you uh, you guys did a lot of Sacred Fools. Sacred Fools. Yes, that was my yeah. last company there, where uh, where question... I met my lady, your little lady friend. And speaking of which. Yeah, question number five. We sometimes get questions from our audience, and one person wrote in, oh, Dear Kurt, why is Jamie Andrews the best wife in the world? <laughs> hmm. Who could have possibly <laughs> written that question? Huh. Because she Boy, chose me. Boy, it's taken you a long me. time. Because oh, she chose you. Because she chose me. Think that's that's a cute. Good that's very cute. You guys just got married during COVID. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that was very exciting. I was, uh, uh, and you were a wonderful part of that as well. Yeah, uh, that's right. Pretty awesome. Which was super fun. Yeah, I, I really felt like it was better than it would have been otherwise. Frankly, <laughs> I wasn't sure what to expect <laughs> on Zoom or whatever we did. It was on Zoom, right? Yeah, it was um, all through. Zoom. It was actually pretty intimate experience. Um, more so than I ever imagined it could possibly be. So it was very nice. It was very sweet. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah. We were very lucky to have, uh, you know, friends in L.A. that uh, jumped on to help us put that together. And, like, yeah, it was... I was shocked at how, how great that all turned out. And to be able to have, you know, like... We literally had strangers that watched our wedding because they heard about oh. it from their next door neighbor and then they were like that was so lovely and I'm so glad oh I got to God. experience that and it also felt like th- like it was at the, at a particular time when things were really dark like it was right smack in the middle of just like the worst of the summer and the bad well not even the summer it was right spring and yeah when we were all new to lockdown and like yeah. everybody was having a hard time and we got a lot of people just thanking us for like bringing a little joy, which was really, really nice. So, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, congratulations on marrying the best woman in the world. She's pretty great. <laughs> and, I'm very and, lucky. Uh, con- <laughs> and congrats on your awesome career and your killing it in the audiobooks. Where can people find you? You said you're going to be teaching soon. What's your website? Well, my narrator website is narrated by dot me. And then I have kurtbonhamvo.com for my. Just general voiceover stuff. KurtBonham.com for acting, which I haven't updated in a long time. Um, 
yeah, so you can see that stuff. You can always find me on Facebook. Uh, the class I'm going to be teaching is through the Atlanta VoiceOver Studio, uh, which I think is literally at atlantavoiceoverstudio.com. Uh, they haven't put it up yet, but it, it I imagine it'll be going up fairly soon. And I, it's supposed to start in May. I think it'll be in May. And that's open to because of COVID. And still, um, I'm going to be doing it online. So it'll be open to everyone. Very so cool. if anyone's interested in getting into audiobooks, that's what it's going to be about. There you go. Well, thank you so much, Kurt, for being on the pod. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for putting up with all my technical issues with all my amazing gear. <laughs> It was yeah, we're going to have to go get a drink that. right now. <laughs> I did. I had to walk upstairs at one point when I was rebooting the computer, to, and Jamie's up there. I'm like, ah, oh, I need to get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We should have grabbed one, too. It's all good. I know. All right. Thanks so much. End. And we'll be listening to you soon Excellent. on another audiobook. Yes. Thank you. Until next time. Welcome to the Afterpod. Where we talk about our guests after they leave the room. <laughs> and they'll never know. They'll never know. You think he's going to come back and listen to this? Kurt's not going to do that. <laughs> oh, wait. He will want to hear himself. So he might. That's actor. right. Kurt, A- hashtag if you're actor. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag actor. Don't worry. I like listening to my stuff, too. Uh, okay, so um, my initial reaction, first of all, we poured some drinks. We had some weird, we had some leftover wine, which is That's so very weird. unusual. Let's cheers that. Yeah, I'm going to have a little little sip here. Mm. Uh, the one thing I want to say, dear listener, sometimes you go to pursue something as we are pursuing this podcast, and we had insane um, audio problems again this time. The guest's fault. He has a really fancy interface, and it just sometimes, if you have too uh, complex of a setup, it can't handle this simple stuff. But anyway, yeah. it took us about an hour and thirty, or an hour was it an hour and thirty or forty minutes? I, I don't know to I don't actually be able that. to record. <laughs> and sometimes when you go to pursue your dream, you're tested. Although Jim Fortin says we're not tested were reflected so maybe reflected these so was that a reflection of us or our energy yeah yeah it's possible it is possible uh but anyway sometimes you have to just keep pushing through troubles because sometimes the universe will throw up some roadblocks and say hey Nope, you're not doing that now. And and then you have to say, oh, I am. Get out oh, of my you, way. <laughs> you bet your Katukas I am. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for Kurt, I mean, he's such an intriguing, I didn't know all those things about him. I guess I did know about the juggling, which is, that is fascinating. I don't, am I the only one here that's completely fascinated that someone spends <laughs> a lot of time juggling? I am so fascinated that you're a juggler. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it is fascinating because- how many jugglers do you know? I know exactly. One. That's I know well, one. you didn't before him. <laughs> you <laughs> but that's didn't. What I, you you did not. You didn't. Um, I did. I did not. Also, oh, hey, what Mark. an unbelievable push from his parents to go into the creative field. So many people do not get that. I mean, everyone is yeah. usually. Parents are like, hey, that's cute that you like to do that. Um, What's your plan B? (laughs) I will say, it's funny that I didn't totally pursue acting full force. 
My father did once write out a playbill, Julie, you found your thing. And I was in a play, a theater show in, in college. A theater, yeah. Now I'm I a mean, voice actor. <laughs> my parents were the same way, though. They were like, hey, whatever you love, whatever makes you happy, do that. And I just thought that was normal until I got older. And I was like, holy shit, that's like, I sh- I'm so grateful. Hashtag blessed. I think my mom probably said, why don't you be a secretary? <laughs> do you know that for <laughs> what, one semester? Why don't you semester- go answer a phone? This is going to be great, and this is going to make me sound so old. One (laughs) semester, I took a bunch of office uh, classes, and one of them was shorthand. You probably don't even know what shorthand is. Of course I know what it is, but that's Shorthand. That's what secretaries used to have to do. While the person was talking, they had to write in shorthand so that they could type it out later. This is like 1920 stuff. (laughs) And I took one semester, and I was like... I did really well, of course, I got A's, and I said, no, no shorthand for me. Uh, yeah. Now uh, I'm back... curious. What? Hold on, I'm doing 1837, up? shorthand started. <laughs> that was when I was in college. <laughs> it was invented by Sir Isaac Pittman, an English educator. The Pittman shorthand method was first published in 1837. They do still use a little bit of a shorthand machine. I don't know what it's called. A court reporter has to use that special. You hit certain things for words. It's yeah, not yeah, typing. of course. It's pretty. It's it's pretty amazing too. What is that thing called? Uh. Uh. Oh. Oh. That's okay. So that's where the that's where it came from. It's a, a stenographer machine. Oh, they're a stenographer. Steno- so. Oh my God, stenographer. So stenographer. That's like uh, Sue and I call photographers. I want to be a Photo- photographer. Yeah. <laughs> a stenographer, but uh, what's the machine called? It's just. I think it's just called a stenographer machine. But oh. here's what it here's what it says though. The Pittman shorthand method started in 1837 as a steno- stenographic sound hand, is what hmm. it says. We're doing Man, a deep dive cra- on this. Oh. A, st- a, st- a stenotype, stenotype machine, shorthand machine, or stenowriter is a specialized corded keyboard or typewriter used by stenographers for shorthand use. Some stenographers <laughs> can reach 300 <laughs> words per minute. All right, what? hold on. Hold on. Can we get back to Kurt? Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, hey, <laughs> so um, sorry, I'm just like so high now from like getting off of all that insanity of troubleshooting so i just (laughs) i feel at ease now (laughs) it's pretty cool that he's going to go on and teach because like i said he's very giving with information i think he'll be a tremendous he has a lot of patience yeah Uh, uh, i wonder if jamie his (laughs) wife would say the same thing but he has a lot of patience and is very giving so um i'm interested to seeing him becoming a bit of a coach uh, teacher in the voiceover audiobook world. He's so, so successful. I don't even know if we got into the number of books he's done. I know. Yeah, I'm I don't think we at, did. He's, he's narrated nearly 100 titles so far. And, and honestly, fairly new to the business, a couple years, I would say. Yeah. Um, definitely killing it. He is someone, you know, we really didn't even get into all this too much. Like, he went all in. He really learned all about everything there is to know joined all the groups when it wasn't covid he went to all the um 
There's so many voiceover conferences and, and like yeah, seminars, narrator stuff, conferences. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, people know who he is because that's that's what he's done, and that's how he's gotten to where he is. Yeah. And it's pretty neat. I mean, it's I'm so I'm so like, what he can play also play piano. You know what? That kind of makes me mad. He does everything. <laughs> I know. He started going down the list. I was like, huh? We actually have a lot more. <laughs> in common yeah. that I ever would have known. You guys are like known. blood brothers. <laughs> no, dude, we should have. We should have just done the prick right then and there. <laughs> share the blood. So, oh, um, basically, I just, again, wanted to stress that sometimes you pursue your dreams and there's roadblocks. And yeah. we've been getting through them. We've had some rough audio situations that weren't necessarily our fault, but we had to figure them out, and I'm stressed out. I am hashtag... Wait, what sh- I was going to say, what's that band called? Uh, 21 Pilots. 21 Pilots. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. have to play my um, Sunday Best song where it says, I'm only blessed, I'm never stressed. That's what's oh, happening that's right. over here. All right, guys, I want to wrap this one up because we've got drinks that need to be drinking. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the Afterpod. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Cuz I Have To podcast. The best way you can help us is share the show. Tell people about it. Also, subscribe, like, leave us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Instagram at Cuz I Have To Podcast and email us, especially if you know someone living their dharma and you think they'd be a great guest on the show. It's Cuz I Have To Podcast at Gmail. And oh, we do love those voice messages. You can leave us one at anchor.fm slash Cuz I Have To. Keep living those dreams, friends, because you have to. Till next time.